I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. A podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched the 2006 film Perfume, the story of a murderer, directed by Tom Tickwer and starring Ben Wishaw, Dustin Hoffman, and the one and only Alan Rickman. This is kind of a strange movie. You might be wondering why we're talking about this, but we've also got a special guest on the podcast today who recommended this, so we took him up on that recommendation and actually invited him on the pod. Mitchell, who is our guest? Christian Schultz. We are so excited to talk with him. He's a director, a filmmaker. He's got his first feature film coming out in 2022, which we uh, talk about a little bit. But uh, yeah, he reached out and recommended this, so we immediately invited him on. But um, yeah, always, always great to hear an actual filmmaker's insight on some of their favorite movies. Yeah, I love this conversation. Uh, you know, Perfume, The Story of a Murder, is streaming on Amazon Prime right now. And we said this in our last episode, but I'm going to say it here at the top. Uh, kind of just viewer discretion advised. Uh, do your research. And there's just some the content mantra warnings of 2021. In this one. Do your research. Yeah. <laughs> some content warnings on this one but uh, I want to say if, you, if you're if you not going to watch this movie this isn't your thing I do think this conversation is a lot of fun and a lot of what we talk about has probably less to do with this movie than, and more to do with actually uh, Christian and his filmmaking process and just the, the, the challenges that exist in even getting yeah. a movie up and going and, and finishing something um, so we talk a lot about that some great insider info yes great insight from him and Christian was so generous with this time we're really appreciative of him uh, so we just hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. Yeah, I'd say first, Christian, one, thank yeah. you for being on the pod. We're so pumped to talk to you, actual filmmaker. Um, and, you know, I've just been consuming, like, your your work ever since we even got in the conversation recording this pod. And I definitely can see why this is one of your favorites yeah. or why you'd want to talk about this movie. Uh, based off what you make, but uh, yeah, if you want to introduce yourself, what sure, you do, what, what, yeah, yeah. My name is Christian Schultz. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana. <clears throat> Primarily a director, I produce, um, shoot photography, kind of run the gamut of everything. But um, I make movies, music videos, commercials, kind of run the whole gamut of, you know, filmmaking. Um, yeah, right on. I run a also run a podcast with my buddy Jared Hogan called Good, friend of the pod. Yeah, we're on, on a little bit of a hiatus right now, so I'm out of practice with the with the podcasting game right now. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of me. And did I see on your site that you have a, a feature coming soon? Yeah, I we wrapped a feature in um, must have been December of 2019, and then oh wow, the pandemic hit right when yeah. we were going into post on it. Hmm. So it was, it really just looked like me in this room for <laughs> like a year straight, just doing post wow. all by myself with wow. for this movie. That is wild. Yeah, it was, um, so yeah, right now it's being, it's being sold right now to, um, I can't really say who, but. Um, but congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. So we'll be to watch this thing. It will at, be at coming out. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it will probably be coming out spring, maybe summer of 2022. Yeah, awesome. Right yeah. on. Looking we'll forward to it. We'll be on the lookout. And is the, is the title set? Yeah, the movie's called Presence. Um, we shot 
maybe four days in, in New Orleans and then um, probably 11, I think 11 days total in the Virgin Islands, in the British Virgin Islands. Oh, very cool. Right um, on. Wow. So we shot on location and it was beautiful, man. It was, it was yeah. a, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but sort of mm. like the most beautiful thing you could do you know yeah it's one of yeah, it's like i i kind of the analogy i bring is like the <clears throat> would you rather sort of like go on a hike where like everything's beautiful and nothing happens or would you like like to go on a hike with like a rainstorm and like lightnings sort of like, right like, dodge a bear yeah it'd be a lot harder but probably more memorable especially with yeah. your friends you know like there's nothing For like sure. sort of going through the grinder on like a, a short like 14 day shoot on a movie yeah you know? right beauty without the darkness they highlight each other yeah i mean we learned that in perfume yeah um, <laughs> good lord but um that's awesome so i mean hey and just it, congratulations man that's yeah huge. Thank really you, excited for you i was just gonna okay. suggest we're, we might have to do a follow-up with the director himself when the, when it comes out that would be actually super fun um, okay right on that'd be cool we'll book it yeah i wasn't sure you know some I don't know if some people like, ah, I don't want to talk about my stuff, but we, we, I know we'd love to, love to have no, that episode. I, I work too hard on it to not talk about it. <laughs> right. You're like, eh, it's whatever. <laughs> Just a feature like film. Yeah. Yeah. That, that awesome. would be, that would be really, really fun. Uh, so one of the things, Christian, we always ask our guests, um, we've shared this on the podcast is kind of your origin story with movies and you are a filmmaker. Yeah. And so I think, I imagine this has particular you know, resonance and importance to you, but kind of those early movie memories and then even some maybe later formative ones. Yeah. It's not super romantic, but the, the truth story is, um, my parents were, I was like highly religious growing up. My parents were kind of like in the church and very similar to, to Jared, actually. I don't know if you guys talked Mm -hmm. about that, but, um, very much in the church and wasn't allowed to sort of watch a ton of movies so a, a big part of my early movie watching was sneaking movies. Um, and we, I don't know how we had a TV in me and my brother's room, but uh, the TV had IFC, like the IFC channel. Yeah. Um, and sort of gateway like, channel, <laughs> a huge gateway. So sort of some of my earliest memories are like, uh, you know, David O. Russell's like spanking the monkey, like some mm. weird avant-garde yeah. sort of like incest movies. Um, and then, um, yeah, like IFC was just like a big thing to me. I mean, I'm, I remember even watching just like mystery science theater or something like that Mm. on just seeing all these old movies and then sort of showing my parents some interest in like, you know, the arts and I, my dad is kind of a musician, so it was easy for me to like, yeah, start playing drums and start playing like being creative was always the thing that my family did, you know? Um, yeah. Even though my, my dad is an elevator salesman, um, he always like, wow. encouraged us to like sort of be, you know, artists and yeah. and paid for a lot of stuff. That's too. amazing. Like, bought wow, me, that's bought cool. Me a drum set and sort of even when I said I didn't want to go to college, I wanted to make films. He was kind of like, okay, I know wow. I know you'll be good at whatever you want to, whatever you want to do. You know. Yeah. Um, so I, rare I, level of encouragement. Yeah. I owe a lot to my parents and, and even though we were highly religious and couldn't sort of see, couldn't even watch Harry Potter, uh, without them knowing or like, uh, Power Rangers or something. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we we were they kind of you know showed me Alfred Hitchcock and sort of like mm, you know wow. that realm of like for some reason those movies were okay to see but not <laughs> sort of like <laughs> I I love the strange it's old, contradiction it's that exists in a lot yeah. of this. Yeah. I think it's more of you know growing up in the south there's mm. especially in New Orleans like anything to do with like uh, I don't know dark arts is yeah, sort of, was, yeah. was sort of like a no go, but you know yeah. I could watch the birds and see people picked alive, but there's no difference to me. <laughs> there's, a, there's yeah, there's a practical darkness to yeah. that. But dude, I, I honestly think the the one movie, if I had to say the one movie that made me go, I want to be a director um, mm. or make movies, was Saving Private Ryan. I saw that mm. probably when I was 14 years old, and just like it felt like the the most fun that you could have with your friends, like making a war movie I, in like a, you know, really innocent way of like, oh man, they're just like running around on the beach and just like with explosions and just like, you know. That's an amazing take yeah. when watching that movie. Like, <laughs> this looks like so much fun. That's yeah. like, that's a director's viewing of it. Cause yeah, so right. many people, oh man, that's the, some of the most gruesome filmmaking I've yeah. ever seen. But, I'm, but yeah. there is that perspective of that is like, it's just a, a bunch of friends in a sandbox, literally, yeah. having fun. I think that it was also one of the first movies that made me go, like, dive into, like, behind the scenes and, like, yeah. looking at, mm. you know, the little machines that they would create to, like, shape yeah. the lenses and and uh, and just some, sort of the way that Spielberg would um, tackle a movie was just very interesting. And it also, had, like, the behind the scenes, especially with interviews for that movie particularly... Um, is like, especially at an early age, it shows you that there's a lot of thought behind just the visual. Yeah. Instead of right. like emotional thoughts in like yeah. sort of story arc regarding yeah. like why we want to shake the camera or why we want to shoot it this way or, yeah, you know, even the way that like Matt Damon like wasn't allowed to hang out with the other crew. Yeah. For that, for that one moment when they come into the, t- the town and they have, and they just don't want any rapport with him like that's super interesting to me yeah man special feature kids yeah I was, that's what i was gonna say i feel like I, I don't know how old you are christian i'm 30 uh okay yeah i'm i'm 32 mitchell's i don't know how old you are mitchell 29 in a month okay <laughs> this like we exist in this like golden age of dvds and special yeah. features and I and that stuff I is out there. Destroyed still. Destroyed the Shrek special features. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that stuff is obviously still out there, but you have to like really be bored or want to seek it. Where yeah. like you, you bought a DVD and you wanted to watch every single thing on that right. because right. you couldn't just load up the next thing on a streaming service. Yeah. And and I had that same experience. So I mean, just watching so much of this and learning the behind the scenes and the heart behind a lot of filmmaking. Yeah. And like, I remember the, I don't remember if you bought like the Lord of the Rings, like box sets. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we, we stole them from, I'm, I'm, I'm like <laughs> too familiar with the personnel at the Weta workshop in yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I would get those is because there was like six hours of behind the scenes. Yeah. It was like, right. it was longer than any of the films. It was like, it was like looking back. I'm like, man, that was kind of pretentious of them to put so much content into thinking that every, like, Hey guys, yeah. this took some work, yeah. man. <laughs> Everybody's gonna want to know the the wardrobe 
and how they made it and where they sourced all the garments and like no not really but i watched all of it they got me we're like i don't think that people would watch that online anymore no yeah and you can find it yeah uh and and even like if you buy a digital movie on like apple i don't know they don't call it itunes or whatever anymore but you it you know it comes with the documentary featurette but that's just not it's it's the boredom that that like as a kid where it's like well like there's other stuff to watch like on here so i have it so i'll watch the commentary now because i have all day but you like you you enjoy it too but but it's like you know now unlimited resources late 20s and 30s this is why criterion exists so I can get the special prints of these Blu-rays, and right. and I'm like buying it for whatever extra commentary that they've got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, well, introduction, and now how did initially you reached out via IG said that we should talk about this movie Perfume. Yeah. Um, did I ask if you'd seen it yet, or was I like, would this be? I think I think you said like, "Hey, you guys should do an episode on this," yeah. and we're like, "I have I mean, no idea what this is." <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will it be sounds your guide. Like, I will be your person. exactly. Yes. Hey, yes. Walk us through this <laughs> reeking world. <laughs> so, well, I will give a, a little synopsis of the synopsis Please. almost kills it, though. You know what I mean? Right. But, right. Well, I I like read the two sentence bio on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, all right, and also check Roger Ebert's. You know, star rating. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's um, it's a uh, one of the best unknown movies that you can see. Yeah. Um, directed by a guy named Tom Tickwer, Tick, T Y K W E R, I think Tickwer. Um, also made Run Lola Run, which is another one of my favorite movies. Yeah. If you haven't seen that movie, um, but this is like completely in a different style from if if you have that as a reference, but um. Perfume, the story of a murderer, is essentially about a, a man who is born with an intense sense of smell and becomes obsessed with capturing the scents of different uh, beautiful women in order to make the most magical perfume. Um, which I feel he like captures that. Which I feel like doesn't, you know, the synopsis just doesn't do it, and it makes it sound like a really like a movie that you wouldn't want to watch. Yeah, um, right. But I think at the core of it, you, you guys can probably have more opinions on it, but at the core of it, it's about obsession. And yeah. I love mm-hmm. movies about obsession and people who just can't get out of their own way, in a way, you know? Um, but yeah, Ben Crenshaw is, is sort of, this is one of his earlier, or Wishaw, I mean, uh, this is one yeah. of his like, um, earlier movies. Early Ben Wishaw performance. He's yeah. so good. Kind of a As... like, sort of unreal performance. You know, yes. right, right. Like I, I don't think yeah. I've seen a character like that. Uh, That's what I kept thinking. Yeah. Like the, the what this man is doing and how it's portrayed are is such a juxtaposition that it's it's like well, messing with my be, perception of him the whole movie. It's because he's the protagonist, you know. Yeah, right. Like you're following. I, I forget a movie. There's sort of an independent horror movie that came out a couple years ago. <clears throat> my brother turned me on to it, but it's essentially like you're following a serial killer. Mm. Um, and, but he is the protagonist, but it's, it's a little bit more funny, but it's also like very endearing at the same time. Like the, the, which is a sort of a mind fuck of like, you know, <laughs> I can't really 
believe that I'm like feeling for this guy who yeah. has like such bad intentions. Um, right. The the introduction to this character in this movie is so is so strange in that I think the very first scene is him being condemned to death as a murderer. So, okay, so there's no spoilers Wait. there. I mean, yeah. there's a question, I guess. Are we uh, doing how that, spo- uh, can we do spoilers? Oh, oh yeah, we, we do spoiler we're conversation. Spoil. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, no spoilers, but we're going to spoil the whole movie. <laughs> I, so it starts there, and then you get this brutal, his brutal birth scene of being discarded. Oh and this, there's I was this like, what like, has Christian done to us to make us watch this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the first 15 minutes is some of the most brutal, like it's the most brutal montage I... I I'm like, okay, I'm glad Sarah is not watching this. That's what I can say right now. The first 15 and the last 15 are fucking... That's crazy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, okay, and so with the intro, it's like like you see this crowd cheering for this man's, like, ferocious death. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm feeling for him. How could people be so evil? It's like, well, wait a minute. But also, <laughs> what evil has he done right. to deserve this? Right. And it, but in my head, I'm like, it's probably a misunderstanding. Yeah. See, also, with 2021 20, perspective, I'm like, that's Ben Wishaw. He plays the voice of Paddington. He can't be that bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, isn't he? He's like the quirky guy in James Bond. Yes. He's Q, yeah. He's Q. He's yeah. the new Q. Come on. <laughs> he's, Q, he's Q before Q was a thing in, in, in the States. <laughs> It's Q is ruined for James yeah. Bond. <laughs> Dude, Q just dropped some new gadgets. <laughs> yeah. So you um, ha- yeah, you have this just this absolutely what am I supposed to think about this character? <laughs> and and it's clearly trying to build some empathy for this baby that's been discarded and oh. ends up in this orphanage, right? And you're kind of like rooting for him, and but then it, he grabs someone's finger, and you're like, dude, when the baby grabs the finger, <laughs> and just and smelling the dirty nails, you're like, bro, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm not a fan either. I don't know. <laughs> I watched it, but can I? Yeah, I watched it again like two days ago, just to like get a refresher, and I was like, this movie's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are gonna be losing their mind. I'll say, as like the opening shot might be my favorite shot. Spoilers for our segments here, but uh, just the nose appearing out of the darkness oh, yeah. and inhaling deeply. I'm like, why am I scared? How are they? How did they do this already? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the fish market scene. Like just rewatching it the other day, I was yeah. like, the thing that like got me this time was the sound. I never really sound. like. I never really like paid attention too much. It was obviously you watch it for the first time. And it's like, oh, this is so visceral and like mm-hmm. violent, but like nothing's really like nothing is super gross is happening. But you just feel really disturbed. And yeah. I, I figured a lot of this uh, the last time I watched it, I'm like, dude, this is all sound. This is it's all, all sound design. Kind of like you know these yeah these brutal, gushing yeah these brutal <laughs> sounds of like death and like disgusting. Whatever. And rot and yeah. like filth yeah. piling up. Yeah, that and like it, the the amount of <clears throat> sort of like insert extreme wide macro stuff. I don't know. I don't remember why I didn't remember it when I was like, oh, I gotta go rewatch that. But that was the other thing that just caught me is like putting you like literally in someone's sort of like making you feel like you can smell these like you're yes. with him smelling these essences of, of whatever. Yes. 
was just beautiful filmmaking all around, you know? Sort of that, that idea of how do you communicate smell is so, I, I mean, it's so effective from the jump and until the very end. Yeah. They, 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 he never lets up on that ability to effectively communicate a sense that I don't ever associate with movie going. And, and to pull that off that is such a degree of difficulty, I think is really astounding. Yeah. Did, when you said that, I was like, dude, that is such a like, it must have been a, such a hard sell. Yeah. Of like, we right. want to make a, a visual movie about smells. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And you're no. like, you have right. to figure out how to pull that off. And they just did it, you know? like Yeah. That's, it, it, that's what struck me is I've never seen a movie care so much yeah. about communicating that scent or that sense, you know, mm-hmm. other than like Disney cartoons with Ratatouille. High, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the you can see the whiff like in the air drawn out. Right. Yeah. That's the only other smell association I have for movies. That was the in uh, it kind of it also reminded me of um, have you guys seen Dune yet? <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Denny does this like really great thing with a lot of his movies, even like, um, uh, what other movie of his am I thinking of arrival? He does this really great thing with like sort of foreshadowing elements through like dreams or through whatever. I think like the way that like they sort of allow in perfume, the way that they allowed you to sort of understand what he was smelling through the visuals. Yes. Sort of like, cause he has this ability, like, like we said, like this crazy ability of, of smell to where like there's a scene where like someone he's doing something in this room that is sort of violent and whatever. Uh, and this person comes to like deliver flowers. Do you guys remember this? And yeah. And the owners and, and they're asking like, where is the owner? And he like, yeah. he just like kind of looks over his shoulder and it like cuts to her, oh my gosh, like having sex with her partner or whatever. And he's like, it's clearly it's like in a building away. Yeah, he just like he kind yeah. of like just like flares his nostrils like over his, uh, <laughs> oh over my his gosh, shoulder. yeah. And he can. He's like the Spider Man of smell. Yeah, exactly. And then he, and then he like he's in the room and he, and he like smells again. And she's like putting her dress on. It's like, oh my god, dude! Like the ability to but, do it without sort of like. Uh, you know, VFX or like trying to like make it almost like tongue in cheek, you know, where it's like, where he like, there's some waft of smell that comes in into the visuals or something. It's just like, you know, and cuts. And I think part of that performance also, even the way that Ben Wishaw moves in scenes, it's almost animalistic. Yeah. Like as he's as he's following some of the the women, it's kind of like a dog. Like because that's what I think of. Is, he's got this like, like, hand yeah. motion. that's like I know. You know. Yeah. It's, he is being led by his nose in every moment of his life. <laughs> yeah, I love like it. malnourished street dog. Yeah. Looking for something to eat. And it's I think the obviously I'm sure you guys would agree, but like probably the the best. 30 minutes of I think it's probably like 30 minutes is you know eventually he's like delivering he's he becomes a slave for these like people who make basically like um what'd you call it leather or like, leather yeah yeah like the tannery tannery exactly um and he's like basically making a delivery with his owner and like comes 
across a perfume shop and like gets sort of like the first time that he's like inundated with these like beautiful scents. Um, and then eventually he's delivering um, some garments like by himself to Dustin Hoffman, who is like yeah. the who crushes this movie. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, one of the best intros to a character that I could, like some guys like he doesn't have his wig on or whatever and he's like coming and he's like opening the door and Def- Dustin Hoffman's standing up in the perfume shop and he's just eyes closed he's snoring and he's just like it's very it's very hookish if you guys know that mm. reference like oh like yes. what he does in that movie yeah exactly yeah. Like just the, the way that he kind of like grunts and smells and sort of like uh, more jet, like more guttural sort of gestures yeah. reminded me of Hook and like yeah. his accent is very similar to Hook um, the way that he talks, because it's kind of the same time period too. Yeah, right. Um, yes. But we should say this is like 18th century France. Yeah, it's Paris. A, that's a probably a good note for people to know. Like this isn't modern. <laughs> this is because like, I, I did not know that going in, and I turned it on. Like, oh, this is a period piece. Okay, like it, it is. It it goes against so much of. I I guess I I just had the wrong expectations, but yeah, um, which is probably good. Which is which was great because I really really was blown away by the movie because it upended my expectations for it at every turn. Yeah. Um, and and performances like Dustin Hoffman's. Um, one of the things that I loved about uh, especially those early scenes in Paris, uh, just talking about the sense of smell and all of these performances, he does this incredible job because this is something I don't think about when I think about history or or story or, or watch other movies often that are period pieces is the absolute like necessity of having perfume yeah <laughs> that's not that's not a, a part of our day-to-day life right uh and and you see that i think at one point ben wishaw is walking in a street in paris it's like his first outing with his master and you can see some aristocrat being carried in like a little box by two servants yeah. and he has a, a handkerchief over his nose clearly like with perfume in it so he doesn't have to smell all of the yeah. refuse and and the poor people around him, the it's peasants, a good one to basically. Pick up too. I don't think I noticed that that he had it. It's, it is this yeah. tiny little in the background thing, and I'm like, what detail here and care? And I'm like, yeah, this is disgusting. I need the perfume. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's like a relief to you whenever they're talking about like lime oil. You're yeah, like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, that's what I was gonna mention. The, my favorite part of this movie, other than the ending, is like is when Dustin Hoffman is sort of, he meets this like alien of this guy who like, he mm-hmm. basically knows every scent in the world or can detect yeah. any scent in the world. And he meets sort of this guy who can like sort of teach him how to, not that he needs Dustin Hoffman, but you learn very quickly that Dustin Hoffman kind of needs him, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And, um, but you just get to like, dive into the world of like how perfume artists sort of like create like when they're talking about the chords of notes and mm-hmm. like right how the, the craft the craft of it and then you see ben wishaw who's has, who has like basically like a god sense like just going like just creating like beautiful like that whole segment is just so beautiful to me yeah and i feel like it is sort of like the heart of the movie where you know, even it, it it is closer to like the, you know, it's right at the beginning of the second act or something. But um, it's like a beauty break. Yeah. In the middle. Yeah. 
and the, the way that they um <laughs> the way when he comes in i forget what the perfume is called but like in the first perfume shop that um Amar and Psyche. Or, or, or in Psyche. Amor. Yeah. Amor. Amor Psyche. Amor. <laughs> He's like, uh, you know, he recreates it for Dustin Hoffman like really quickly. And he's like, this is a, this is Amor Psyche or whatever, but this isn't a good perfume. Yeah. I can make it better. And then he makes it for him and Dustin Hoffman just says, I won't smell it now. Please go. I'm not in the mood. And, he, and then he goes and he does it by himself and he smells it by himself and has this yeah. almost like psychedelic experience. Yeah. Right. It's like there's a huge turn in the movie where you're like, oh my God, I can see where this is going because he's already yeah. killed that first woman and he's like, I need to capture sense. And like, man, it's such a messed up movie when, it, when you talk about it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like so terrible but you're like why am i why is this so beautiful when they pulled the cat oh my gosh i was like oh oh no (laughs) but like i and i love that moment too because it it kind of nails down the power of 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 a scent or even like nostalgia associated with Mm. it like it's power to like bring you back to a moment in your life but i i I also thought i'm like gosh i'm so glad they didn't do that like constantly throughout the movie of like kind of this like you know transportive trippy experience or and really they never they never uh, do it visually they only yeah they never do it again and and like you said earlier they never you know do some cheesy animation or something to show that smell is in the air yes i was just gonna say that yeah to be to be able to just always be thinking about what he's smelling without that holding your hand and, and just showing like an oil in a jar like right. I was just really impressed it, by that. It's this total and thankful because it it respects your intelligence. Right. Yeah, total trust in the performance, total trust in the viewer to just get it, uh, and it's it's effective. Yeah, yeah. I think the um, there's like a turn, where, especially when he, because part of the movie is is basically like he doesn't. There is a technical way in which you can capture smells from a person. And he and he doesn't know how to. There's this, but when he figures it out with the animal fat, and he starts scraping it, and then that guy comes in who's like really pissed at him, and he just has a drop on his hand, and it's like yeah. going down, and the guy like immediately becomes like in love with him or like super yeah. nice to him and like appreciative. Mm-hmm. That's like a crazy turn to me because I, th- I I don't remember where it came out in the movie, but you're just like, I think I understand where this is going, but I have no idea. And I think, I don't know, man. I, not to like, like no idea the steps that are gonna get there. Yeah, like not to make it like super weird or anything, but like, have you ever smelled like, have you ever like, either like, like your mom sort of like cooked something, or you like dated a, a girl who had a certain mm-hmm. smell, and then you'd smell it like years later. Yeah, and right. you would just be like, like actually sort of emotional about it. Yes, you know, uh, right. absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of how, what it like. This movie sort of, sort of like captures, a, 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 captures it, but it also is like, sort of what it's about to me a little yeah. bit. It's like, this, um, the power of of smell, and it yeah. just sounds so weird when you're saying it out loud. But I know the power of smell. But it it is true. Like, but this, it's there and it's unexplored often. Yeah. Like, or it's or it's so rarely explored. I should yeah. say. Yeah. That that idea, because it's hard to communicate visually. Yeah. 
Let me just ask this, just to get us back into it. What was just give each of you just give me like your favorite moment from the movie, if you can say that. Oh man, I I am weary to say the end because what does that say about me? <laughs> but <laughs> mine's the end. I, I would say the end. Yeah, I mean, so it's like I guess the, the ace of spades. It's like just <laughs> right. It's like, um, but so that's like overall probably, and and just while I was watching it, the most moving and and freaky, and I'm like my face is like contorted, yeah. like what is happening? <laughs> I found I found myself like when uh, Alan Rickman's character like has his transition of like you're a god and i'm just yeah. like on the edge like what is happening yes <laughs> but um the, the other moment that sticks out to me is when they're first making uh rose oil mm. and, and some of the like like that beauty break in the middle yeah. of just those two working on the stuff i think really helps the film and like I wanted to just hang out there forever. I'm like it's nice in here. <laughs> like it's disgusting yeah. outside, but this shop is amazing. And so some of those shots of like, of just even the rose petals in the, um, I don't even know what it's called, the the cooker, the distiller, the distiller. Like, yeah, yeah, distiller. boiling away and just seeing the one single drop come out. Um, I don't know. It, or even like them being piled into the shop and they're like, how many thousands of petals to get a drop of oil? Yeah. Um, really makes me rethink the way I think about my friends who sell essential oils. <laughs> the marketing scheme. <laughs> well, how much of the earth are they using for fucking no reason? It's like, you know, like, uh, right. you got to capture right. so many. All that lav- all those lavender fields. <laughs> I know. Instead of a, a Band-Aid, doused you in oil. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, for me, I think my favorite moment is one we talked about already, but it's the sequence sequence where he is trying to prove to Dustin Hoffman's character that he has this ability. And he not only identifies, and you've had this whole long sequence of Dustin Hoffman in his study for hours, uninterrupted, right. trying to identify the sense. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over and over and over again. And oh my. Being, he just gets li- lime oil. What was it? Orange, Orange blossom. blossom. Yeah. He's like, clove? No, no, no. Cinnamon. Yes. And then he, the guy's like, no, it's clove. And then John Pepteeves just comes in and just grabs Just grabs everything. everything. Like, and not only that, but then is able to make it with the right, you know, percentages of each of these things to, to perfection. I never had alcohol before. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't shake this. <laughs> oh, and my other favorite moment. Is yeah, the second one he does, he's like, let me swirl it instead yeah, of just, shaking it as if. <laughs> like, gentle okay. swirl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's Big that, difference. I, I, think, I think Roger Ebert used to write about this sometimes when we talk about movies, but it's the idea of we love to watch someone doing, we love to watch someone who is the best at a thing. Yeah. And so that's that scene of Jean-Baptiste coming in and, you know, with no experience, blowing this master perfumer out of the out of the water is just such fun. And is this turn in the movie of okay, we're we're moving into new territory here. Of now, he's going to cultivate that 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 unnatural talented nose into something. Right. Like Un- I, I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just say like I thought the movie might go for a more boring. Like he'll become the master and like. Oh, no. powerful and you know it's like no stay a sewer rat 
like animal. <laughs> I love it. Yes, no, that's a great point. The movie could go in this direction of oh now and he's just gonna be a master perfumer, take his business, you know, and be yeah. successful and and adored in French Paris aristocracy, aristocracy. Abuse that success in a vanilla way. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's going to uh, take the essence of thirteen women's uh, by murdering them and uh, covering their bodies in animal fat. Yeah. God. That is one like there's one interesting sort of and I I I hate it but I love it. It's like a good way to get on to the next act. Mm-hmm. But everybody there's a bunch of people in his life who essentially make money off of yeah. John Baptiste and they all immediately die. Like yes. the 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 woman who took him in as an orphan sells him as a slave and she gets her mm. throat cut like walking away. And then the or guy his, who sells even his mom. Yeah, like, his right, mom right gets Dude, what an awesome way to, like, the narration in this movie. I don't typically like narrators. Same. I didn't mind it in this. This is, like, so, because it it knows when to, like, stay out of a scene, you know? And And it'll drop out for, like, 40 minutes at a time. Exactly. Yeah. The the amount of times the main character doesn't talk, like, the huge (laughs) gaps of silence, so it's like, this is amazing. I would say 80% of his performance is nonverbal. No, right? like, yeah, it's him just staring. Him just staring, like him being yeah. brooding. But the narration in the beginning, where he's he said the what was it the um yeah the first thing that came out of John Baptiste's mouth sent his mother to the gallows or something like that. Oh like, yeah, the, his first his, words. Yeah, his first. Yeah, his his crying sound or whatever. Yeah, yeah, because she, she she gets convicted as this like she was, I don't know if she was trying to kill him, but she just maybe. Because that's also so sad that like all of her other kids were still yeah. versed or semi still versed. So, so she, she gives she gives birth to John Baptiste and just kicks him away, which is assuming so brutal, dude. Oh, yeah, so brutal. and I don't then know if you guys and then kids, it, but I'm just like no, I, yes, I was like I, you know I wish I would have watched this two years no, ago. <laughs> I was we we've had a uh, newborn in our house for the last month that we were fostering and. Cool. I was holding Whoa. this newborn baby as I'm watching that opening 20 minutes. And I'm like, this Oh, is... my God, dude. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be so gentle with you. <laughs> yeah, she just... The she sliding kicks... into fish. Yeah. She kicks him away. And then someone's like, oh, there's a crying baby over there. And, and he's like, murder Like, just very quickly, yeah. I'm like, man, must have been tough times living back then, dude. Just like... The confusion, even the way, not to like jump all over the place, but I imagine people who we should probably, should should have probably said in the beginning, like, go see this movie before you listen to this, because I think it'd be more We 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 kind of tell people in the previous episode what's coming next and and that kind of thing. So, like, even when they, um, at the, after the end where you have that whole crowd scene, they're like... They try to. I don't know if they're covering it up or whatever, but they the guy who owns the the flower shop that he was working at or whatever, they just like need somebody to like convict. You know what I mean? Like there's just yeah. this, like, really quick mm-hmm. misunderstandings with like absolutely zero justice. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yes. And you're like, man, this is it's got to be a, such a, a wild time to be alive and like yeah. just brutal and like <laughs> I, I I imagine everybody was like dying pretty painful deaths you know yeah yeah the kind of stuff I, I that we are thinking, so removed from right? yeah I, I kept thinking like i wouldn't have made it 
<laughs> I just I wouldn't be able to cut it, dude. You would have you would have gotten uh, a tooth infection and just died over like eight months. Uh, I would have just died because I'm like, uh, this is kind of hurting. Like I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, but you would, and, you would either like some, but some people just didn't know. Yeah, like, they right, really, like, right. Dentist around that, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, you right. Just, like cleanliness was like sort of like germs, and the idea of germs were just like not something to right. think about. Yeah. You know? So Christian, you were you were kind of, I think, making a point about transitions in the film. And we, we see the succession of people making money off of him and then dying. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't know if you were going to say more about that. It was just an interest, like the way that they set those things up, even the, dust, the, the Dustin Hoffman yeah. one, yeah. Mm-hmm. where like they're in the distillery room and like the house shakes for a moment and yeah. dust comes from the ground. And he's uh. like... Don't worry about it. It happens all the time. And then as soon, you know, he has this moment where he allows John Peptis to leave and, like, gives him sort of a place to go to learn how to capture these scents from real objects or real people or whatever. And sort of, like, how he he basically gets, what was it, like, a hundred... Yeah, recipes. um, Recipes for perfumes. And he's, like, sitting in bed with this book over his chest yep. just like in such glee and then the house collapse on <laughs> that's the way them. to go honestly <laughs> <laughs> these like Back beautiful then. foreshadowings of like yeah you know even just the, the way that his house was placed in that river also reminded me of like uh have you guys seen um lemony snicket's mm. a series of unfortunate mm-hmm. events mm-hmm. you ever seen that movie yeah the visuals were very yeah you know chivo shot that but like I, it's very like the mix of of because there's a ton of if you look at the behind the scenes of this movie there's an absolute ton of VFX in this movie, mm. but all of it's just so unseen you know mm. like all of it is very non like very painterly yes you know in service right. of creating that setting yeah yeah I, I was just thinking like the part of the Dustin Hoffman of it all. It's like those scenes almost feel like, you know, the new live action uh, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, it's so well, like it's so beautifully presented and it doesn't feel out of line with like a like a glowing Disney remake now. And so I think part of why I keep going back to the stark contrast of most of the rest of the film is is like, yeah, that doesn't feel out of place. Yeah. I'm trying to look up the, this filth. I'm trying to look up the budget for this movie. Okay, what would you guys think this movie was made for? Oh gosh, I, I... this isn't a trick question. Like it, it, it probably is made for what it looks like. But I'll say I, I don't know anything about this. I'll say twenty million. I don't really? know. <laughs> That's pretty cheap. Uh, no, it was six, sixty million. Sixty million. <sighs> Man, dude, people just. <laughs> There's money. It's, it's crazy that we <laughs> it's haven't. Just, it's crazy that we haven't. That this is a very unknown movie at the same time. Okay, I, so I'm looking that at I had this. never heard of it. You know, this, with this caliber of people. Exactly. Uh, and maybe it's the 2006 of it all, but it did 135 million dollars exactly. at the box office, and it's a it's, it's crazy that I've never heard of it because that's not nothing. Yeah. Was it nominated for anything? Probably not. People. Were freaked out by so, okay even back then people were like this is too much this is obscene 
I thought the whole movie would be like that montage of his birth, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, yeah. I was thinking about this um, today, you know, and reflecting on the movie. The 2006 thing is so weird to me. I mean, it's just wild that I've never heard of it and all this stuff that we talked about. But I think this is not a movie that gets made today. I mean, it seems like right. maybe that's it was a, a, a lucky thing that it got made then. But $60 million is that's not nothing either. And um, I, this movie does not get made today. This movie today becomes like a 10-episode Netflix series like mm. Dexter, but before the French Revolution and with perfume. And and it's nothing like this, and it's not as good, and it, or just not right. good, you know? Uh, because I think, I think so much of what is out there now is taking these premises and ideas and then really taking out the heart and the idea that's behind it right. that makes it work. And for me, what works about this movie is these themes of... Uh, longing, obsession, drive, um, his own strange pride and ambition, and mm-hmm. and I think if you made it nowadays, it would be a it would be a show, and it would just be gruesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of want to see a Fincher version of this movie. If I'm oh. like truly honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that I would love. <laughs> Which is a little <laughs> bit less of the character staring in the camera, like flaring. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm on. Like when I think about that, it's a little bit selfish because he's he's a you know he's a master. He's one of my yeah. favorites. But like I don't know how you could make this movie much better. Yeah. By just mm-hmm. a different approach, because it's not like you know Girl with a Dragon Tattoo where it's like okay that was a good version of a movie in a different market or whatever. Let me see it. For this market, yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like a ma- it's like this movie is kind of a masterpiece in a lot of ways, you know. Right. But I mean, it was adapted by from a book mm-hmm. back in the eighties or something, and um, I don't know much about the writer, but I know that they were trying to make this movie for like twenty years or something like that. Wow. Like, Apparently, the book the- is hugely popular, like yeah. one of the best selling German novels ever that's crazy dude yeah it was like there's some points it was almost remind me of science of the lambs with yeah. like the i'm going to distill you down and then like absorb you yeah <laughs> because yeah. i don't know who i am or because they kind of talk about the tragedy of him not having his own scent which yeah. um re- reading roger ebert's review he talked about that idea of like the spawn of the devil doesn't have a the, a smell or something like that and there's like they're kind of nodding to this like nameless evil that he is interesting but they, yeah but they don't like overtly say that obviously what else did roger say about it he loved the movie he, he loved he did? it it's he yeah. gave it four out of four um, Wow. and but uh, that was a, a really big thrust of it was the way that the movie plays with like lore like Mitchell just talked about the 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 spawn of satan has no scent which is really not a main piece of the movie but is there i think in that piece of narration in the middle where he's in the cave um but he what Roger Ebert was so impressed by was those nods to these things but they were never so in your face and and he found the movie to be this really subtle working out of these ideas which wow. I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think 
for as uh, not subtle as the movie is sometimes when he's just snatching women and turning them into perfumes. Right. <laughs> uh, the... He also reiterated, this movie is not for everyone, <laughs> many times. Uh, yeah. Those are my favorite I mean, who, Roger Ebert who reviews. Is this movie, who is this movie for? That's a good, <laughs> a good question. <laughs> now, you know who'd love this? <laughs> my buddy. <laughs> this, this definitely feels like one of the ultimate movies while they sleep podcasts. Uh, definitely, as our wives are sleeping, this is one oh, not yes. firing up because... <laughs> exactly. I watched the first half hour, like in the early evening and and sarah came home from a friend's house my wife's name is sarah and i was like yeah you're gonna want to skip this one (laughs) if not just for that first scene first 20 minutes i I mean but that is sort of i I don't know about you guys but like like there's certain movies that i feel like people would say like if you had to ask like what movie should i watch or like whatever I feel like a lot of people would be a little tongue in cheek about it. Like they wouldn't want to go, because like some like genuinely some of my favorite movies are like Armageddon and like you know Training Day and like just sort of like right on the nose kind of movies. Yeah. But they're so entertaining. I feel like for me this has always been like a a really good mix of like this is a huge movie. Like there's mm-hmm. tons of talent. You probably never heard of it. There's like. I mean, the ending scene had like something like three thousand extras that were actually there, and they're oh all. Gosh. I was wondering, like, there's some. There's no VFX like, in like. There's no VFX in that shot. Like, that's they, incredible. They have a, t- a town square with like three thousand people, um, all performing this ridiculous uh, <laughs> series of events. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's and, a, the most. Yeah, that's the perfect way to say to sidestep what it's a series of events. What? It's a ridiculous series. What can series. I say? It's a magical dance of, of something, some kind. But it always like this movie has always rode the line of like and and I in a way that like I think Fincher also kind of rides that line of like, oh man, this is highly entertaining but like sort of terrifying yes. and like really violent. Mm-hmm. Um in like a way, like who can take like the social network and make it feel sort of like violent and ter- terrible, uh, terrorizing, yeah. you know, like well, like foreboding yeah. ominous. Yeah. But it, uh, and this, by the same token, who could take the story of the Zodiac Killer and make it so entertaining? I know. I'm like, let's watch that tonight. <laughs> Just people going over details of of like court cases and, and like, gruesome murders. And, like, yeah. 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 Same thing of House of Cards too. Like yeah. House of Cards is like a. I love that we're talking about Fincher when he didn't have anything to do with this fucking movie. He <laughs> sneaks in every time. <laughs> like House of Cards is, is like, or Succession, you know, oh. where it's like, oh, these are just people talking in a room. Why is this so entertaining? You know, like there's a, you know, there is a beauty, beauty to sort of the, the art of the storytelling yeah. that like, this is like, to me, if I, if I could make a big movie, this is what the line I would try yeah. to, to, mm to hit you know like big movies like this aren't don't do these things that they're doing they just don't you know they took a a ton of risks and didn't play it safe and like just went for it and you just don't see big movies like that anymore yeah that was another thought i had like as i was watching it's like these don't really exist anymore you can't make like we said earlier you can't really make this movie anymore no i don't see how you would make this movie and people not be uh, upset about it now bear with know? me and now hold on <laughs> <laughs> like it's the scale of the production the scale of the sets the scale of like 
all things regarding the movie. It's like it's massive. It's like a scale, a scale that's reserved for Marvel movies now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But with like really fascinating storytelling, like really mm-hmm. interesting storytelling that is reserved for million dollar movies or yeah. two million dollar movies. Like that's it's one of those. Yeah. Movies. I, I don't think I've seen a movie like this where it's it's taking the ideas and sort of the essence of like super indie sort of like can movies, yeah. and then giving it sixty million dollars yeah. to make. And and I think that is that was more prominent like in the eighties, the biopic, the Amadeus, yeah. that kind yeah. of because Amadeus mm. is a huge scale, um, but those th- that kind of stuff doesn't exist anymore. Even even Mitchell. I mean even. Dude, I was looking at the. Uh, there's an article with the some quote from the writer. Uh, what did he say? Uh, Patrick Seuskind. Uh, this book has also sold 20 million copies worldwide, which is crazy. He reportedly said that Stanley Kubrick and Milos Forman could do the book justice and refused to let anyone else adapt it. Oh wow! Like that's co- sort of true in a yeah. way. Like he's not wrong. In the way that, like, Kubrick was is th- – this is kind of a Kubrick movie. Yeah. Where you're like, Kubrick's making gigantic movies, yep. mostly paying for them himself so that he can do weird shit. Yeah. So that he can make sort of independent right. movies with scale. And this is kind of what it reminded me of. It's like – it's the intentions of, of the whole thing. Of yeah. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna not shortcut the budget because that's – I don't know how we got here in cinema – like the idea that less budgeted movies are more truthful or more honest mm. artistically and the biggest the bigger budgets sort of you know mm-hmm. safeguard themselves from like any opinion being negative you know right because of the budget it's we got to yeah. hedge our bets here it doesn't make any i don't know how we got and i it makes sense on a business level right but i that's just not what i'm it's the Extinction of the mid-budget movie, and I think a lot yes. of that moving to TV. Yeah, you're right. There is no more middle class of filmmakers. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. There's either Nolan, you know, like, or you right. have sort of like up and coming guys who are getting one to two million dollars to make a, a movie. And then their second. And, just, and then their second movie is a Marvel one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's what shocked me too. It's like, aside from the Marvel level of it all, it's like, oh, PTA, mm-hmm. you know, saying there will be blood, same or a year after this movie. It's like, like I, I was just shocked that when I looked up the director or cinematographer, that they weren't like these giant names. Yeah, right. You know, and yet and they're I, trusted I, with something like this. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with this. Who is the studio that put it? I, I'm looking at the production companies on Wikipedia, and I've never heard of them. Um, so so weird. It, it may, dude, it may, because movies a lot of times, yeah. especially overseas in Europe and stuff. Yeah. There's, I remember I went to Cannes one year, and there was I saw this Japanese movie by the guy, the same guy who made uh, the movie Hero from back in yeah. the early 2000s, yeah. which we did a pod on. Great movie. Yeah. He came out movie. with this. Um, sort of love story, this like epic two hour, two and a half hour love story movie. Uh, like very reminiscent of like the notebook, but like very artful in like a Japanese sort of legendary way. Um, but there is, there was like literally probably 15 studios 
attached to it. Oh yeah, you know, that is like it's Jeez. a much more common occurrence. Uh, over, like in America, everybody wants to own the IP. Yes, like everybody, and they have sort right. of the backing because this is like cinema hub for some reason. Yeah, but they just treat it differently mm-hmm. in Europe and in in, uh, in Asia and stuff where it's like you can get some, you know you can put a couple million dollars into it and get sort of like pieces of the movie. Yep. And there's no like, you know, even here, like I'm, I'm producing a movie now that's like, um, like you, you kind of have to give away 50% of your movie. Yeah. You know, in order, in order to, which is like, would I rather have 50% of nothing or would I have 50% of a movie that I can make? Yeah. You know, like that is sort of the way that they do it. It's wild, like, working with Brettley and, you know, a project comes in, even to do a lyric video or saying she's like, like, just the, just for paying for storage <laughs> for something like a music video, right. you know, it's, it's, it's such a feat to do. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of said the same thing to Jared. It's like, like the fact that to make anything <laughs> is incredible, but then have it be really, really good. Dude, it's impossible. Yeah. It's That's impossible. What, I, yeah. I think just coming out of that movie that we did in 2019, so we made this movie for Yeah. And and then we and I bleep this as well, but we just sold it for like dollars. And but the only way that we could do that is by the guy who invested the money gave us mm. all the like gave us all the locations yeah. for free. Yeah. So like but yeah, the so the the only way that we can make that movie is by like DIYing the whole yeah. situation. Yeah, you know, mm. like it, there was nothing traditional at all about it. It was right. literally we know we know this guy who can give us this much money because he loves us, but he also owns a private plane. He also owns a yacht. <laughs> he also owns <laughs> sort of like this house that we could use. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there was like a massive investment, but we didn't spend that much money. Yeah, you know, right? Like, like comparatively, that's a drop. Yeah, th- I mean. And you have to kind of like, I mean, it doesn't really help when it, in, in terms of like, um, like we still have all the same issues that anybody else would have for like a larger budget movie. Yeah. You know, like talent is always going to be an issue, like getting the right talent. Um, but you just don't have like, I don't remember what I was going with that, but like you just don't have like the the same like infrastructure infrastructure you don't have anything yeah, yeah. so like right. i almost like figure it out yeah i wish in, in a lot of ways there's a beauty to that you know yeah because like genuinely anybody like myself could could just come up with an idea and like pull friends and family together to like make something happen yeah and like your your mom could come and cook meals every day yeah i know people who do that yeah. you know and it's so beautiful but the idea that you're going to make something good at the end of it, like getting oh to that, God. getting to that point is, yeah. is sort of impossible. I wouldn't say impossible. Getting to that point is really accessible, but making like the, the actual, a good movie is sort of like when you finish a movie, you're like so appreciative and so sort of like awe inspired by the guys who don't miss mm-hmm. like a Fincher right. or a, or a Scorsese or like whatever, like these guys who just don't miss are like kind of like gods in a, in a literal way. Like people who, who understand something about a specific, even if it's just so specific as making movies, yeah. 
someone knows so much about something that they can manipulate and sort of like garner like I'm gonna, just the weird deals that get get made in movies too, dude. It's just it's like you have to know all of it. You can't just have the craft of like composition and lighting and whatever. Yeah. That's like right. That's like literally two percent. Right. Of, of making a movie, you have to have like sort of an entrepreneurial. Yeah. Like. It, right. Christian, did you like did you have you listened at all to Roger Deakins' podcast? I need to. It, it's so, I'm so it's so good. <laughs> But I know it's everybody <laughs> said such, such good things about it, but I'm like, so it's one of those things where, like, I feel like if I just heard my like one of my heroes talk too much, I would like lose something. No, like, he's right, he's he's guy. so great, <laughs> he is amazing, and and his partner does a lot of the, the interview stuff too. But he had somebody on, I don't remember who it was, and and I love the the his podcast because he doesn't just have the top line directors, actors, it's VFX people, production designers. And he was talking to somebody who had done work on, I want to say it was like the perfect storm and just the production meetings that had to happen because they needed, you know, 20, 30, 40, $60,000 machines in the tanks just, just to hold the cameras and I mean, and the finessing from a producer side to a craftsperson side that had to happen for, you know, 10 minutes of footage. I mean, it, it's just absolutely fascinating. And I think it really speaks to some of what you're talking about of right. you need to you need to be able to engage in not just I can place a camera here and compose this shot. Uh, but right. oh, oh, we need to know robotics. We we need to have somebody who knows robotics to have this. I mean, it's the Saving Private Ryan, the machines they're building to shake the cameras. I mean, it's just right. That's, that's why even we we just saw French Dispatch. And I'm like, I'm just getting stressed out <laughs> with the amount of work that went into this. <laughs> yeah, Wes Anderson is a trip. Right? I think Wes Anderson is eating Wes Anderson at this point. You know, it's like a. He's, he's like a they, human centipede of himself. He has put himself <laughs> in the distillery from perfume. Yeah. And yeah. now all of that's coming out is is the essential oil. He's just West dripping Anderson. himself with himself. That's such a good analogy. <laughs> he's distilling himself. Yeah, dude. You're, but you're you're exactly right, dude. Like, there's even even on that same sort of analogy of like putting certain like certain pieces of equipment in a tank to like hold the camera it's all negotiation yes and not in the it's not in a way that you it's not like i'm trying to get a a guy to give me something for less or whatever it's like it's negotiations with time yeah and sort of like your priorities as a director yep Mm -hmm. where like i know that okay someone present i i want to do this thing someone presents you like sort of the cost of that thing and you go Okay, that's gonna mean X Y Z. That's gonna mean I'm not gonna get this day yep. over here. It means I'm not right. like this. I'm gonna need now. I'm gonna need stunt people to do this thing. Okay, and you start negotiating your movie yeah. to a point where like, you know, you could probably negotiate your way out of making a good movie. Yeah, or like right. the movie that you actually wanted to make. Yeah, you know, because um, that's the whole that's the whole problem, dude. Is like there's a movie that you want to make and then there's the movie that gets made. Yeah. You know, they're never really the same thing because it's like liquid, you know, like the, the idea is, is, is sort of like the, the rock that you kind of build everything on. 
but it's all liquid, dude. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing really sound when you're trying to make a going through production. And you guys know this. I'm speaking to the choir, but no, but like it, it's a thing where the more you get into any art or craft, yeah. and you're like, oh, I I don't know anything. <laughs> Like yeah. Yeah. it's that bell curve. Like I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> and so, like I know for us, like you know, hearing from a filmmaker, be like, dude, it's so much more difficult than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> it's not. It's as close to impossible as you can imagine. <laughs> and I'm not lying. Like, right. Even when we were making that movie, it was like on day whatever nine or ten or something. And I remember having a very specific thought of, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not lying to you. I had right. like legit thoughts of like, like because uh, I realized you stand there. Yeah, like I had no issue. I had no issue making compositions, like mm. sort of directing actors. Like all of that was easy yeah. to me because that's in the moment. Yeah, the stuff that like really got in my head is realizing on day ten that I made a decision three months ago mm. oh. that would dictate why I'm in this situation on day ten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that I, I should have made a better decision three months ago yeah. to be in a b- better position in this moment. Yeah. Like that's the impossible part yeah. is like you have to be able to predict. I mean, that's why directors, even on like a commercial side, the bigger, the bigger directors that you get to know, like there's, they have a level of prediction Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to getting a brief from a client or an Adidas or like a Gatorade yeah. or whatever and going, I know how to make the best version of this thing. And I'm not really, I'm going to tell you how to do it, but I'm just going to do it. Yeah. You know, and right. then, because that's the whole, especially on commercials. It's like, they're expecting you to make this very specific idea. And if you can't, and like with the movie, you can kind of get away. Yeah. With it Cause you're like, Oh, it was, it was harder in this person than whatever. Cause it's all on you. Yeah. But right. when it comes to like commercial stuff, it's like you can't fuck up. Yeah. Like it has to be a certain way. Yeah. And like the guys who get paid a lot of money are like very good at predicting problems that are gonna happen three months from that conversation. Yeah. You wow. Know? Which is something I continually try to learn. You know. Like there's so much past the like the vision of a director in my head is just like has the vision for what we see on the screen, but nothing that takes getting it on the screen. Right. You and know, I think, like you said, like com- composing, like lighting and what it should feel like and, you know, all that. Easy. Like, oh, that's great. But also like on the phone and like, so when can we, yeah. you know. It's the, it's the, it's death by a thousand cuts, dude. Like you'll, you know. Thousand and phone I, calls. Yeah. And you'll get like, you know, yeah, emails about emails. And <laughs> Which um, thread was that on? <laughs> yeah. you'll And I think there are, I will, I will say that some like really, you know, big directors um, that I know personally don't know what the fuck they're doing and they have really great producers, but there's like, um, that's not what I want. Like what I want to do is for like, and this is really pretentious, but this is just like the journey that I'm on is I would like to be that good and I'd like to work with the best people, but I'd also like the process to be really life-giving and like super fun, you know? And like, because in a a mentor of mine named Cole Webley, uh, I was talking to him a couple weeks ago and I was talking to him about 2020 and like how that was for him. Mm. And he said a lot of, 
of what he worked on in 2020 was all repeat clients, mm. like all repeat sort of people, not even, you know, whether he bid on it or whatever, they came back to him and they continue to come back to yeah. him. And there's a, there's a, and I've been on Cole's sets. Like there is a talent for that he has specifically regarding sort of making it a really fun, interesting, and like making you feel like you're making some dope shit while you're yeah. there. Even like to the, the copywriter from the, from the client, mm. you know, like down to like, you know, some intern that's just like yeah. coming on set for free, yeah. you know? There's a talent to that as well that I think is sort of like the X factor, yeah. like the other other thing that you could be worried about that I'm that I'm also trying to do, yeah. you know. Because yeah, anybody can sort of get on set and, and yell at a bunch of people, and, <laughs> right. and, and like we've heard the secret recordings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor Shane, dude. Uh, <laughs> well, I can say with confidence when Presence comes out. Oh we yeah! Need you back in the pod to talk about it. I, I can't wait. Like, like, uh, like the like, frustration, but I can't wait for the like. Like it's here. <laughs> you uh, know, I'll send you guys the trailer. Yeah, Ooh. please. Heck yeah! <laughs> wait, is this is this trailer live now? Oh no! Oh, oh yes, I do. I love being semi <laughs> like <laughs> semi in the know. So uh, maybe to put a button on our conversation about and filmmaking and process uh, uh is is perfume maybe just a metaphor for <laughs> filmmaking in the <laughs> it took the murder of 13 women to get this uh little tiny jar wow. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not i mean other than the women i think you're not wrong i think there's a well on a real note i think there's like there is sort of a messiah thing yeah. going on like there is sort of like a uh, I don't know, man. I think the whole thing is about obsession yeah. and sort of like where that can lead you. Yeah. But I also think like John Baptiste is just sort of a serial killer at the same time. Yes. Like I think he was born with a void of of like right. feeling or like understanding reality in a way. And you kind of go can't blame him. Like for the situation that he was in, um, you know, obviously you can blame him for killing the women, but like there's there's like a it's one of those weird things i i also don't think that we're far off from i mean there's still movies being made like fincher is one of them or like what was the movie with zach afron about um oh ted bundy ted bundy oh, like yeah. we we are sort of obsessed yeah, with these fast. yeah we're obsessed with these movies that sort of take you know dark characters yeah. and make them sort of the protagonist even like a breaking bad yeah. or like you know um just the anti-hero exactly yeah. yeah but i think the anti-heroes having having a moment yeah but i think that the um the ending like the very very end because like essentially you know not to go on like a huge sort of synopsis of the movie but dustin hoffman teaches him the chords of a of like a perfect perfume yeah and that there's like three stages to the and there's three stages to sort of like the performance of a perfume and then there's like one extra note that was like sort of like thought about in like ancient was like the pharaohs or something would like have these like specific notes that would last thousands of years or something like that um 
But you get to the end of the movie where he's like being judged for his murders and he sneaks that and he had finally collected all yeah. of these these scents from these women to create the most powerful scent of all time. Yeah. Like that's that's the most and essentially what happens is like from just the smallest sort of drop of it or whatever you could essentially um control people and like you would essentially be able to for them to just like deeply love you and you could sort of manipulate them and whatever and john peptis whether he knew this going into it i doubt it but sort of figures it figures it out along the way which is also like a great note on like the storytelling like there's not there is a version of this movie where like John Pepdis is like yes knowledgeable about what is going on and he's like oh I can do this and I can do even the even the narrator at the end of it said like you know he he could do he could put you know uh, he could put a drop of perfume and send a letter to the Pope yes. and tell him he's the new Messiah yeah, you right know? Like, right yeah there's so many things that he could do but he's like about to be judged like also like by the most like when they're describing the way they're going to kill him. Oh, I know. Like, they're going to put him on a cross and, like, uh, bash all of his joints yeah. in with a, with a metal club or something like that. Like, uh, But there's this town, there's this, like, city square filled with 3,000 people all waiting for this man to die. And he drops this scent on a cloth and essentially just wafts it yep. in the entire... Including, like, I, it kind of looked like a pope character it's like a cardinal or something yeah yeah like a cardinal just <laughs> sort of like guy <laughs> waiting for him to be executed yeah um they succumb to they succumb I'm not sure what it is they basically just like go on a psychedelic like tr- like absolute orgy fest yep like it's right. it becomes like a a massive sort of like there's no like sex, but it's like this love orgy of like right. everybody in the crowd, like three thousand ecstasy, three thousand people get naked on camera, and and just sort of start like cuddling each other, and John Peptis is just like crying, remembering the first girl that he can't have anymore, you yeah, know, right. like there's these massive sort of like scope versus like interpersonal yeah. like memories that the yeah. story is like going on, but. The way that he so he he gets out of that situation and the way that he he like doesn't want to live anymore, and he just pours it on his head. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the people in the fish market where he was born just eat him. Yes. Just consume him. It's like again, have movie you, making. Have you Here's ever this heard thing of, that you spend all your life working on? You're like that was good. Yeah. Anyway, have you ever heard of like a of of like a better ending to it? I, I I've never seen a better ending to a movie. Take and eat. Like, this is my body. The pro- yeah, exactly. Like the protagonist yes. literally decides to be consumed yes. by his by his beauty. And I think that speaks what, to what what you had talked about. Uh, obviously, the theme of obsession, but then his he he is not uh, he doesn't have an ambition about it, and he's just yeah it, he doesn't have anything to live for other than yes this. it's mm-hmm. the you know the obsession I mean? is not a means to some power end but his obsession is this itself and he achieves it and then is ultimately i guess not satisfied or it's it's still not right. the thing that he was longing for and so he just gives himself over yeah dude even when alan rickman has him like uh 
suspended yeah. upside down, like pouring him into that yeah. water. And he's Alan just asking. Rickman in that scene. <laughs> he goes into like a five-minute sort of like dictation of how he's going to yes. enjoy, his to death. enjoy <laughs> his death. And just like the quiet. Dude, rest in peace, Alan Rickman. I know. He's so good. So sad. I, but he, uh, there's that moment where he's like, why did you kill my daughter? You know? And, uh, and he's just, he just, there is no, like he is saying the absolute truth. He's just saying, I needed, I just needed her. Yeah. Like that was, there's no other thing. And there's this moment where Alan Rickman sort of like realizes that this guy is just fucked. Yeah. Know? Right. He's just off. Yeah. And there's no, there's no like reason to the madness. Yeah. And it's so brutal and like and i'm watching it and it's like ask him what do you mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, do you, what does that mean yeah there's somebody like <laughs> for, or for what good sir <laughs> yeah. uh christian we want to be sensitive to your time and uh great yeah um we'd love to just kind of wrap up the way we typically do on these uh episodes we've got some just kind of quick fire segments um and uh, I don't know, Mitchell, you want to cute Twin Peaks? Yes. <laughs> uh, this is, excuse me, a damn fine couple segments. Yeah. Yeah, so we always do favorite shot. And this one's tough because there's a lot of good moments, but is there a single moment or shot in the movie that stands above the rest to you? It's <clears throat> a good question. There's so many. And would it would this be qualified as like if I grabbed it as a still or like a, a moment of like a shot that I think has either. performance of it? There's this like moment where um, at the ending I don't know why this is, I start cracking up laughing like howling laughing when he does this, <clears throat> but John Baptiste has like basically controlled this crowd, and he's just standing like this. Uh-huh. And he's just going. He's like, like come on, <laughs> give it to me. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> there's this and people listening to this are gonna be like what is he doing he's just like extending his hands but he's just like it's like the moment he realized that, the, that this is working yeah, like on a power. high level and he's like yes yes and he's like basically, becomes like a UFC champ yeah he becomes like sort of like the ending to like almost like they're giving him a standing ovation yeah. you know or mm-hmm. like that they're like um, you know everybody's quite literally thinking that he is an angel you know he's mm-hmm, standing there for sure as sort of like a messiah of sorts and just saying here I, it's like the first time that anybody and it's so brutal but like it's the first time that everybody loved him you know mm-hmm. where his whole life has sort of been and even mentions the narrator mentions that when he's walking back to that fish market after the scene where he's like about to be consumed yeah um where he was like even even though he had this power Nobody would like actually love him for who he was, or like nobody would would like really love him without this sort of mechanism yeah. that he was using, yeah. and that life wasn't worth living, which is just so sad, dude. It's just like so even 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 like the but I also think if I had a close second, it would be that finger <laughs> finger. That's no, boy, that sets a tone early on. Yeah, this was gonna be a weird. It's a baby, but ugh. Yeah, and then and then they tried all the little kids just try to smother that. It's rough. It's like it's very rough. But everybody should watch this movie. (laughs) No, check it out. You won't regret it. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, so th those are great. I'm, I'm sending a Google search link here um, for context of, I don't know if it's my favorite shot, but a lot of the movie reminded me of this painter. Um, and it's weird to say like one of my favorite shots is like right after he seemingly accidentally kills his first victim mm. and he's like trying to capture her scent yeah, and it's going away. Scent. Yeah, he's like greedily consuming it. But um, some of the coloring going on and framing it felt like a oh, yeah. Caravaggio painting. Yeah, yeah. and he kind of he like um, man, what's the what's the style that um, is used to describe Caravaggio's work? It's a great interplay between the light and the darkness and shadows behind the figures. Yeah, there's a there's a name for it, yeah. it and like I I love it. It's called it's like described as the violent like intersection of extreme light and extreme yeah. darkness. Yeah. Um, there's a specific type of painting that that's painting style that that's called. I forget yeah. what it is now, but a lot of the movie is reminiscent of that style to me. And so I love, and even the lemons, like the bright lemons yeah. and everything else yes. is completely like darkened. Um, there's just some great yeah. moments there. And then, like I said, the, the first cooking of the roses, there's a lot of good, oh, yeah. good little moments there. Yeah. The color, the, there's a lot of color theory that people could dive into this movie. Oh, yeah. That yep. I think is more present than I'm giving it credit to. Like, even like color cues, you know, like Kubrick mm -hmm. was always. Um, like the yellow. Yeah. The, uh, it's right. like the yellow plum then is that big, you know, cylinder of yellow blossoms. And yeah. then it's the yeah. first that thing woman in it with the yellow. I mean, that, that's a. Th throughout. And then like the red hair. Yes, and the red like, hair. The first girl that yes. he loves is is redhead, and then the last girl that he needed is is a redhead. Yeah. There's like a there's a lot of symbolism yeah. in the color of this movie. Uh, so for me, favorite shot. I think I, this is not a shot, but that opening montage of the uh, smells and senses of the fish market is just incredible. Um, but I love the shot of him on his first kind of journey with the tanner into the into paris and he kind of is in this street in the busy city street for the first time and the detail in it I, I mentioned it earlier but i i um yeah i just like the way that the the filmmaking gets at a lot of these details and then also it's just a great sense of setting um yeah super busy shot that is just full of care um i like it yeah the editor in this movie is like very subtly un, under uh, yes not not underappreciated because he's but like understated yeah. I guess yeah. like I think the edit edit of this movie is quite possibly the most powerful sort of mechanism that's being yeah. used yes aside from it's that in the sound design color and that yeah sound design post production of this yeah. movie is wild yes though. yeah. Uh, next segment, we do just kind of what's your uh, star rating? Um, letter? Do you, are you on Letterbox? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever done this movie, but maybe I have. Yeah, what would be my Letterbox yep. star yes. rating of yep. Christian? What does it go up to five? Yeah, yeah. I, I, with a lot. Of, if anybody ever asked me to score something, I do sort of like. Uh, it's called like. Uh, sort of Olympic sort of ice skating rules. Like there is no perfect 10 to me, mm. you know? Right. But I would have to give this, is it five stars or five. four stars? Five out of yeah, five. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it 4.5. Dang. I'd give it as close to a 4.8 as you could. So you have no five stars hanging around. That's doubt wild. It. I doubt it. 
Dang. I was going to say 4.5. I'm more generous with the five stars, but I'm, I'm hanging out at 4.5 too. I like, despite the, the filth, <laughs> I'm like, I think this, there's, this is really working for me. I think there's only one sort of like five star movie that I've ever, if it was so good, I should remember it. Maybe I'll come back. <laughs> I'm far too generous with, with my stars. Uh, I don't know, Matthew gives anything five stars. Just kidding. What do you what, what do you have for it? Uh, home, uh, new Home Alone five stars. No, um, I, I gave I gave this four stars. This was like incredible and just great work all around. Um, the craftsmanship in this movie is is second to none. Um, okay, and oh, I love this segment. Go for it, Mitchell. Unsung hero. Unsung hero. So okay, this is just the uh, you know not necessarily going to be on the imdb page character or like extra or like little moment that doesn't doesn't get the credit it deserves that's a good question do you have one mitchell because i got one uh one of mine is the jump cut guy throwing up in the in the fish market <laughs> like montage oh where it's just like it's fish 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 guy vomiting fishes <laughs> and it's like all right we are here and we're watching a movie. Uh, love that. Um, and I had one more. I can't remember, but do you have one locked yeah, in? Yeah, mine's the uh, cardinal in the village, the the kind of church, oh, yeah, church he's, he's... you know, priest or whatever. But he's just so funny and like so perfect, pitch perfect into what I imagine. And he wakes up from the orgy. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, he's also one of the last people to, like, get the scent on him, and he's just, like, taken by it. It's it's so great. Love that. I think yeah. mine, I don't, I'd have to look up his name, but he's essentially, uh, right, when, right when you get to that city of grass, mm-hmm. there's uh, uh, this girl who John Baptiste ends up killing, but she has this guy that's, like, just trying to hook up yes. with her. Yes. Oh, yeah. In the lavender field. And then he, they're like sitting, they're like laying in that pile of lavender and he's trying to hook up with her and she's like, no. And then she like runs up this ladder and he runs up after her and she like pushes him off this ladder and he's just like, all right. And just <laughs> screams. <laughs> you. And she's like, can you hand me the I ladder? I thought we were being she's playful like, about this. <laughs> you get the ladder yourself. Like just the most kind of throwaway character to me, but it's great. <laughs> impactful yeah yeah has this moment in the sun i know i love that and, and like her you're like oh we're we gonna get to know characters a little bit more it's not nope. a lot of them <laughs> oh no actually the true unsung hero is the dog that digs up the hair oh that little dog that that's <laughs> yeah, he's got that he's dog, got a real thorough like, arc he was uh, trying to help uh, owned by prostitute enamored by john baptiste and then uh <laughs> Uh, victim finder it's like the dog in rear window basically uh right it's truly about the dog we are the dog as the viewers dude i did just remember my my probably only five star movie heck yeah go for it have you guys seen tim's vimeer oh i'm so excited because i have not seen no this you would appreciate to watch list because you're a caravaggio fan um tim's vimeer is about this uh sort of like technology guy who became obsessed with Vermeer, who is like this famous yeah. sort of realism painter. Um, and there was sort of a legend that Vermeer was using, this was probably back in the 
1600s or 1700s or something that he was using sort of like some of the first like optical lenses that people mm. were beginning to create like as a filmmaker it's like he this guy became obsessed with like figuring out how Vermeer because it's like sort right. of scientifically yeah. proven that like how is it photorealistic yeah. without exactly. the technology so Vermeer was painting these things that like literally could not have been painted by the human yeah. eye they were so realistic wow like the he was able to get like exact zero of black like exact sort of like is it a doc yeah it's a documentary made by Penn and okay. oh wow um, oh, the wow um, it's a good like sort of hour and a half watch, but probably one of the Heck best yeah. movies. That's that cool. I want to check it out. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I w- if you we would love it. You want to plug? Yeah. You How can plug. people find you? Um, yeah, your podcast, yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah, you can go to goodthepodcast.com dot com to listen to a huge back catalog of interviews uh, with directors and filmmakers with me and my buddy Jared Hogan. Um, or you could go to christianmschultz.com to see all my work. Also, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at, at I am the bald eagle. Perfect. <laughs> Very American. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you guys for having yeah, me on Thank the show. you. Thanks this for being thank so generous you so with your much. time. This is a pleasure, really. And we cannot wait to do the follow-up, follow-up episode for yeah, Presence coming 2022 yep. somewhere. Sometimes. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, man. We so appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Uh, just, hey, once again, we want to thank Christian uh, for his time, generosity, being on the pod, great insights, and uh, just thank you for introducing us to this wild, crazy movie. That we had no idea even existed. Yes. And um, we are so excited to have him back. We're going to watch his movie when it comes yes. out next year and have him back on to talk about yep. it. So we are so pumped for that. Yep. Um, so yeah, again, thank you, Christian, for, for being our guest. Yeah, really excited about that. Uh, and we are excited about what's coming next week on the podcast. What are we watching, Mitchell? The Power of the Dog. The new... Why I said it like that, who knows? <laughs> the uh, new Netflix original uh, that is now streaming as of today, December 1st, and it is directed by Jane Campion, starring Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh, just what a, a lot combo. of a lot of great kind of buzz and energy around this movie. I'm really excited to check this out. Uh, I I feel like I've been hearing about it for months, and now it is finally here. This one's hyped. Yes, this one's hyped for sure. Yeah. So we will navigate that hype with you all. Yes. Uh, so Power of the Dog is streaming now on Netflix. Uh, check it out. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep. Write and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with one friend who likes movies. Tis the season for giving and sharing podcast Tis the season sharing. Exactly. So, All right. again, thank you, Christian. And next week, Power of the Dog. Good night, y'all. Bye. Hey, babe. Is it? Did he turn the internet off? It's not working.